Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. Julie Hendrickus, Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am delighted to welcome Tara Laskowski to the podcast today. Tara's debut suspense novel, One Night Gone, won the Agatha Award, McCavity Award, and the Anthony Award. Her second novel, The Mother Next Door, was called a polished and entertaining read by the New York Times Book Review. She also wrote two short story collections, Modern Manners for Your Inner Demons and Bystanders. She has won the Agatha Award and Thriller Award for her short fiction and was the longtime editor of the online flash fiction journal Smoke Long Quarterly. A graduate of Susquehanna University and George Mason University, Tara grew up in Pennsylvania and now lives in Virginia. Tara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Well, I love to talk to writers about writing, and I love um, to talk to writers who write in all different forms about writing, because that's... um, pretty tricky to do. (laughs) Not everyone can do it. Um, But let's start where I always start on these podcasts and talk about your writing journey um, and when you first wanted to or thought about writing and your evolution into novel writing. Okay. That's huge. Seems like. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You don't start small, do you? (laughs) No. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know how many writers say this, but I feel like I have always been interested in writing. Like I, you know, from elementary school, I was writing little stories and it was always in reading a ton. Like that's basically what I did during my summers. Like when I was off school, as I would just read all day long um, and write my own stuff. Um, And so I feel like I, I don't know. I've always just been very interested in that. And in high school, I guess is when I, really started crafting a sh- like short stories, you know, mm-hmm. like our, my English professor introduced us to some of the classic short story writers. And I remember reading the story A&P um, by, I think it's John Updike. Updike, I think. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, it all takes place in the supermarket and it's about this teenage kid and this girl he checks out and like, there's this epiphany. And it was the first story that I read where I was like, Oh, like I can write about stuff. I know like things I've experienced and like make it something more. And, um, and that's when I really started to write short stories. Um, and they've always been a little dark. I mean, it's just kind of what I do. And in fact, I had a story published in my high school like lit journal that was pretty dark. I mean, it was like some revenge tale or something, some sordid thing. And I remember my principal called me down to his office. Now I was like, I was like an honor student, like perfect student. Like I was not valedictorian, but I was like, you know, second in line for that or something. 
And so I thought I was being called down for like some award I had won. <laughs> and instead he called me down and he was like very concerned about the story and like the language in it. And it turned into this huge like controversy in our high school. Oh, wow. And we were right, like us, the students who were published in it were writing op-eds to the newspaper, like about how our freedom of speech was being, I mean, it was crazy. So it, like from the beginning, I was like this dark I'm very nice, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I've always been drawn to like horror and darkness and stuff like that. So did they not publish the story because of it? Or? Oh, no, it was already published. It was already out, but there were several stories in there and they were all written by like my friends who were these like really sweet honor students, you know, but it was like all of a sudden somebody was paying attention to the lit journal and we were writing these crazy stories. So <laughs> it was actually very interesting and fun. But yeah, so that was sort of, I think, I don't know where I got you know, started writing stories. And then uh, after my undergrad, which I, I was an English major and a writing minor in undergrad, and then I, I knew I wanted to go get my MFA. And so I worked in journalism for a couple of years after graduation and then I started to apply to MFA programs. And that's how I ended up here in Northern Virginia because I went uh, to George Mason University and got my MFA in fiction. And even there, I was writing sort of traditional literary short stories my whole time. And the, the focus of the program at Mason was very anti-genre. Mm -hmm. It was very much like you need to write this certain type of short story to be serious, you know, to be a serious yeah. writer. Um, and so I really didn't even think about writing genre. Um, it, it just wasn't something I even thought I would do, even though that was what I read. I grew up on all kinds of mysteries and crime and all that stuff. And so then, you know, I was writing this novel and it was this long, crazy 500 plus page novel that I was writing for my thesis. And it was basically a historical romance. And I worked on it for years and I just like couldn't get it to work. And, you know, I was sending it to agents and that, and getting feedback, but not like the kind of feedback you want. <laughs> um, and my husband, who's Art Taylor, you know, he was very much in the crime and mystery world yeah. at that time. So I was attending events with him or going to like different conferences and, and sort of started to get a little bit into that world and realized at one point, why am I not writing this? Like, this is what I get excited about going into the bookstore and seeing like, why am I not writing this? And so that was sort of the light bulb moment for me. And uh, that's when I started writing what would become my first novel, One Night Gone. And let's talk a little bit about the MFA program and that genre bias, which is more MFA programs do have genre paths now than did. There's still issues around writing genre in some MFA programs, even some writing workshops. And that can be hard to get over as somebody who's trying to learn craft and not being able to express themselves. And obviously you were able to overcome it, but um, can you talk a little bit about how that can sort of squelch you as a writer? Yeah. So like I said, I wasn't really writing that. I mean, I was always interested in sort of violence and the way that violence affects people and that, you know, kind of crept up in my stories. Um, but I, I would never have said that I was, I was writing any, any kind of genre when I was there. 
But there were several writers in my class who were definitely interested in writing genre. Um, Fantasy or horror, I would say, were the two that stand out to me. And it was, they were very much frowned upon. And I look back at this now and I think like, gosh, like I, I wish I had known what I knew now so that I could have like encouraged them more or not, you know, because you kind of, I don't know, you go along with what Mm -hmm. they're telling you. And, um, and so anyway, my thought about all of it, I think is that you want to have good writers in whatever genre you're reading. And in order to learn the craft, like you said, you have to study that. You have to teach people how to write well, no matter what they're trying to write. Mm-hmm. World building is such a huge skill. And I mean, it's something that you have to practice um, and have to learn. And it's so important in genre writing to build that world, especially if you're writing something like science fiction or right. or speculative. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're like creating different rules. And so to do that well, I mean, you, you need to study it. And I think that it's a shame that more MFA programs aren't welcoming that kind of writing. And honestly, since I've graduated from Mason, I really think that many of the most successful alumni from that program are now writing genre or commercial. <laughs> so, you know, that says something. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting about any um, artistic craft is that you can be taught it, but practice is also necessary. Apprenticeships and writing and figuring things out. But you were finding your voice in both short fiction and long fiction. And as I said at the beginning, that's two different skill sets. And there are people who have them, um, but it's not, they're not the same. I mean, it's not, a, a short story is not a condensed novel. I mean, it is so carefully crafted. Um, You started with short fiction and sort of built your muscle there. Can you talk about that a little bit? And because it really is an incredibly difficult art form. Yeah, definitely. So for a long time, I was a flash fiction writer um, and edited a flash fiction journal called Smoke Long Quarterly. I was the editor there for about 10 years. I was reading a tremendous amount of flash fiction, which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's usually defined as stories that are a thousand words or less. That's kind of generally the cutoff for it. So like we're talking about tiny, tiny micro-y stories. And that is my niche. Like if I could write a novel just in flash, I haven't figured out how to do it yet. But if I could, that's what I would, would probably feel most comfortable doing. I just love the short form. Um, I love the focus on language. I love the focus on rhythm and Mm -hmm. these very small, tiny moments. And that's like Mm -hmm. sort of where my comfort zone is. And so for me, writing novels is painful. (laughs) (laughs) It is tremendously painful. Like I would so much rather write short stories, but you know, I, it's just not, I mean, Unfortunately, short stories don't sell as much, you know, it's it's very hard to find a market for short stories. And it's very hard, I think, to carve a career Mm -hmm. writing short fiction. And that's a shame. And that's a whole other conversation we could have. I mean, people have done it. Don't get me wrong. Like, there are really, really amazing short story writers who've made a career out of that, but it's not really the norm. And so I knew if I wanted to 
to kind of go that traditional route or try, you know, to do that more traditional publishing route that I probably needed to write a novel. Um, but I am now working on my third novel and I will tell you it has not gotten any easier for me at all. (laughs) Um, and I also have found that I can't write really short pieces while I'm working on a longer piece. Like I can't, my brain can't switch back and forth very easily. So for the novels, you write standalone dark suspense. Mm-hmm. Is, is this third one the same? Standalone? Yeah. yeah. Tell me about your process with writing novels. Do you, uh, you know, pants it? Are you a plotter? I mean, how, what's your process like? I have no idea. <laughs> It is completely different every time. And it is maddening how horrible it is for me. So my process seems to be that I work on a book for a very long time and get a huge chunk of it written and then realize that it's not working at all. And I need to throw it all away. Start over. I highly do not recommend this process to anybody I mean, I think that inspiration is one thing and, you know, something that, but ideas are an interesting thing because they come from inspiration, but they got to have some gravitational force if you're going to make a novel out of an idea. Um, So do you usually have an idea that you're writing or is that first, I'm going to throw all this away because you're writing your way into the idea for the novel? I think it's the second one. And at least that makes me sound smarter to some degree. So I'll go with that. Um, But I think for me, I always start with the setting. Like I, that is where I've always started all three of these books. It's like, I have a setting that I want and I have to be able to picture it and be intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. And then I can put people in it and make bad things happen to them. But I have to see the setting. Um, and I have to really be interested in it. And, and then it's just my process is like, I, I just need to figure it out. Like, you know, who are the people in it? What are they like? Um, what is happening? Like, and I, I'm also someone who writes dual timelines. It's, it just seems to be what I gravitate toward. And, and I like that form one possibly because of my, you know, um, of being drawn towards short fiction. Yeah. I feel like I can sort of cut back to something else instead of trying to do one narrator throughout a whole, a whole novel. Um, but I also like the, the play involved of having things that happened in the past sort of show up in the other timeline and vice versa. And the way that those kinds of themes can resonate, yeah. Yeah. It's really, that's fun to me. Um, but I think that it's not a process that comes naturally to me. And so when I'm, when I'm writing a novel, it's just, I don't know, I can't, I'm never going to be the kind of novel writer that can have a book out every six or eight months. Like it is just not how my brain works. And I, my second novel was the first one that I wrote the mother next door. That was the first one I wrote on a, on a deadline. You know, mm-hmm. contract for it. It was due a certain time, and it was. I was writing it during the pandemic, so I was writing it like right when everything shut down and schools were closing, and it was you know crazy chaos, anxiety. 
and I'm trying to craft something creative. And when I had to kind of give up my initial draft, I freaked out. I mean, freaked out because I was worried about missing my deadline. I'm very highly anxious about missing deadlines, disappointing people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my editor and my agent, they were both like, you've got this, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, I'm moving to Hawaii and I'm (laughs) a mail carrier. You guys can have, you know, all of the advance back. I'm totally fine. I'm done. (laughs) And, uh, and that was like a huge learning process for me because I realized that at least for my editor and my publisher, which they are amazing, that they cared more about making sure it was the best book possible, not mm-hmm. that I met the deadline. Now, clearly they want me to meet the deadline, but you know, it wasn't like everything was going to implode if I, I missed this deadline. Um, and so this time around, when this is happening again to me, I'm trying desperately not to stress too much about it because it it just seems to be my process. Yeah. Figure it out. And hopefully now I think I'm on a track, hopefully. And the dual timelines is an added uh, challenge for yourself as a writer. Do you always write in the same past time period or, or do you write in different you know, different historical times. I mean, how much does the historical aspect of the work also, you know, cause there's research, even if it's a little bit, you know, you, there's work to be done if you're writing in a past timeline. Yeah. Um, for, for my timelines, they're usually, they have been with like a, a still a timeline in which I have lived. And so I have some sort of sense of what it was like. And I try not to go too hard into the research and throw all kinds of um, references and things like that in because I think that can get really heavy-handed if someone does that. Um, So when I say dual timelines, they're usually like, you know, 10 years in the past or 15 years in the past. So it's not like uh, I'm writing in 1865 or something. Um, And I actually like that. I like having that structure. So in some ways, even though it is a bigger challenge, um, it feels like more of a comfort zone to me. You talked about the historical romance. that was your thesis. Is that ever going to see the light of day? Probably not. And it's a shame because I really love that book. It was <laughs> set in my hometown, which is Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And in the nineteen, like early 1970s, they had a huge flood there, the Agnes flood and it was hurricane agnes was the hurricane that started it and it was it was hugely transformative for my town and my parents lived through it and um and then like a few years later there was this incredibly violent nationally covered newspaper strike that happened and so i had this great idea for setting this love story in this time period you know sweeping thing with like floods and newspaper strikes and all this um star-crossed lover kind of thing and just <laughs> well maybe you could have a body floating down the river in the yeah. flood and then oh it's like okay I'm in I could figure it out now <laughs> I know like I, I've actually thought about this I'm like can I change this to be yeah. but I, I don't know it's just it's probably just something that I need to not 
worry about. You know, it's like it was an exercise. It it was something that I stepped from this to something else and it's fine. I will I have said this before to people, but I did take about a 250 word section of it and had that and got that published as a flash fiction somewhere. And so I often joke that like I wrote you know, for seven years, I wrote a 500 plus page manuscript in order to get 250 words out of it, which I also highly do not recommend. <laughs> That's a heck of an editing project, right? 500 pages down to 250 words. Uh, well, yeah. you also learned how to write a book. I mean, that's our, you know, for people again, this is a skill that we develop. I mean, you could take classes, but you have to do it and you learn how to write a book by writing a book. I mean, yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I've had, I have probably two other learn how to write book manuscripts on my computer somewhere too. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just the writing process is just so bizarre that you just have to stop trying to find a magic formula for how things work and, and just kind of go with it. I think, I don't know. Well, it's an interesting time to be a writer as well, because there's so many different types of books that are out there. Mm -hmm. And I think of, um, uh, the Thursday Murder Club, which was a favorite of mine during the pandemic, but it's almost like flash fiction. He's got like a hundred and some odd chapters that are short chapters and switches points of view. And I mean, it all comes together, but, but it was, uh, um, when I read it, I thought he must have not wanted to <laughs> sit with one character or one, you know, he wanted to tell different stories or talk about the coffee shop or, or do this and, and was able to put it all together. So I think there's, there's room for your, you know, flash fiction of 200 scenes or something. <laughs> yeah, there might be. I just, I also can't think about, like a domestic suspense plot in that way. Like yeah. me personally, I, I'm sure that people can do it and probably have done it, but it's just like, I don't know the way my brain works with longer stuff is very different from the way it works with writing flash. And I just, I don't know. I, that's, I guess that's just how it is. So I do, I, t- I mean, my chapters tend to be pretty short when I'm writing novels, but not, And you mentioned, you know, that you're working on this and that this is, uh, you know, you in high school, you were a good student and you were fun to be around and you wrote this dark story. And, you know, (laughs) I know you a little bit, you're charming, you're lovely, and you write these dark suspense novels. Do you, I think many crime writers work out some issues through writing. I mean, there are many crime writers who are the loveliest people in the world. And then you read their books and you're like, Oh my goodness, <laughs> where did that come from? But, um, or do you find like working on this domestic suspense, does it start to invade your being as you're like bringing this dark ideas and, you know, is does dinner become testy? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. So I've often, I, I really love horror and I was born on Halloween, so I feel like I came by it honestly. Um, and so I love I love watching horror movies. I love reading these kinds of books. I just don't know if I could ever write horror because I don't want to stay with it for that mm-hmm. long. Um, 
even though I enjoy it, I don't know if I would want to write it. Uh, and so I don't know, I don't know that it's, I'm working out some inner anger. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm screaming from the inside, but that's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) um, but it's, for me, it's just kind of fun, um, to play with like this idea of, I mean, that's why everyone likes these kinds of like horror and Halloween. Cause it's like, it's fun to be scared safely. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of fun to um, write about characters who have horrible things happening to them because you, you're not having those horrible things happen to you. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just, I don't think I can go super dark. Like my, yeah. my books are pretty, they're, they're much more a- atmospheric and spooky mm-hmm. than they are violent or um, really traumatic. So I like to play around with the idea of, of the, that feeling of something eerie without, you know, having someone walk in the door and start hacking up people with an ax or something. Um and and so I think there's a certain line that I just personally wouldn't cross in my writing because it just it would be too dark for me. Yeah. Too much to spend time with. Yeah. No, I hear you. When you uh graduate from your MFA program, I mean, one of the benefits of that is that you do or maybe let me couch this, let me ask a question. Did they prepare you for the publishing journey? Um because writing journey and the publishing journey are two different journeys. So did your MFA program prepare you to be a published writer? No, I, I really don't think so. And I, I was just talking with uh, someone recently about this, that I feel like MFA programs do need to have more of that in them. Like um, when I worked at Smoke Long Quarterly, actually, I worked with a, a friend of mine who was teaching a university course for undergrads. Um, and part of that course, they got to come into our submission queue and read submissions from actual writers. And as a class, collectively decide which story they liked the best to consider publishing. And it was such a cool exercise because they got to see what people are actually submitting and like talk about writing from an editorial point of view and they were really, they got really into it. Like they had, you know, heated arguments in the class and, and, and had their favorites that they were pulling for. And sometimes we would actually publish two or three of the stories because, you know, they would bring them forth and we'd be like, yeah, we like them all. But I think more of that would be really beneficial to not only undergrads, but graduate students as well. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what publishing was like. I mean, I had, it was this like very far off idea, you know, of like, Ooh, once you publish a book, that's it. You've, you've made it. And, um, and how, how does that happen? Like, do you just stumble over a rock and, and hit an editor and suddenly, you know, like it's, it just felt so mysterious to me. Um, and, and so I think having any kind of exposure to that, that sort of what, what it's really like, or even just exposure to people who are actually doing it. I think art, my husband teaches at Mason and he brings in writers whenever he can Mm -hmm. in his courses just to talk about the process and their experience. And he's actually doing a course 
I think in the fall on not only books, but like movie reviews and that sort of stuff. And he's bringing in actual critics um, and reviewers of all the, you know, different types of medians just to talk about the possibilities. And I think that's really cool to expose students to that as much. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Well, and criticism, I mean, that's a whole different conversation, but our binary like or don't like is, is not how art works. So, you know, it's a terrible system for, for delivering, you know, uh, any kind of uh, verdict on anything. So, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I know Art uh, well enough to know that he'll have a very nuanced conversation and those students will not be uh, like, don't like, my way or the highway, my opinion is right, um, right. participant. And that in itself is a gift to the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you, what's the best piece of writing advice you've ever gotten or given? Um. The best, uh, I have, I have two, if that's okay. One is more of like a craft advice and then one is more like general publishing. So generally publishing, I think one of the best things that I have heard that I kind of try very hard to live by is that everyone's journey is different. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that really helped me, especially when my debut novel was being published, because I was in a Facebook group with a bunch of different debut authors from all genres um, in that year. And it was amazing to see the different, like how different the paths went. Like some people like total breakout, crazy success. Other people, you know, their hardcover novel, like never made it the paperback because it didn't sell enough. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like all run of the uh, scale. And, and I have to keep reminding myself of that all the time because it's very easy to kind of see someone else get something that you want or didn't know you wanted until they got it. And you're like, why don't I have that? Um, <laughs> and that like envy and then, and, and, yeah. and that sort of sense of jealousy, it crops up. And so you have to, you have to remember like, that there's probably someone who's just as envious of something that you got as, you know, it's like everyone's different. And, yeah. and so, um, and at the end of the day, like the community and like fellow writers are the people that you, you like, you want to champion, you want, you know, you want to help and, and, and share in that success. And so, um, that is always a work in progress, but I think that really helps reframe when you start to feel those like envy monsters creeping up. Um, and as far as craft, uh, like I've already talked about my difficulty with writing long pieces and, um, my friend Alan Orloff once posted on social media about how his mantra when he's working on a, a draft of a novel is to just keep pushing forward, no matter how thin the plot is or how bad you think the writing is, just keep moving forward. And I have that like written you know, where I can see it because I tend to get caught up in the language and the pretty sentences and rewriting the first paragraph 800 times. And, and, uh, so that I think is a really helpful piece of advice for me as well. What's the worst piece of writing advice you've gotten? Probably if you'd asked me that a few years ago, I would have said people who tell me to write every day because I've never been the kind of person that can do that. Like, I just mm -hmm. don't have the luxury of, of that routine, like being able to set aside 
an hour, two hours, whatever, every day to, to write. It's just, especially when our son was younger, you know, if I could get five minutes to just sit and not do anything, I felt like I won the lottery. So, <laughs> so the idea of writing every day was, oh, it was very intimidating to me. Um, now that I'm writing novels, though, I do see the benefit of at least checking in mm-hmm. your work every day, even if that's just mentally thinking about it or noting, a, n- jotting down like a line of dialogue or rereading something you've written. I think just keeping the story in your head when it's something long like that is is much more helpful because. Otherwise, it takes so long to get back into it when you sit down that you're wasting that time. So, yeah. Well, especially when you're writing as you do, which, you know, organic writer is is a term that I've heard a lot lately. Um, And uh, you've got to keep it in your head. So you've got to sort of refresh it every day. Otherwise, you've got to remember more in your, you know, I mean, for plotters, you write stuff down and you've got you've got a draft of something, but for, for organic writers, you've got to remember it. And that's a lot to keep in your brain. Yeah. Now, are you, are you a plotter or are you? I'm a plotter. I'm a plotter, but I, um, but I, I do, I mean, I think like most people, you know, it's hybrid at the end, but I'm, if, if things go astray, I stop and replot. You know, Hallie Efron once told me uh, a piece of advice that I remember, and it was about writing a, my second book. She, because uh, I was struggling with it, I said, you know, because I had a book out and <laughs> struggling with the second one. She said, Julie, writing a book is always like putting a log through a meat grinder. The difference is, you know, you can do it because you've done it, but yep. it's never easy. That first draft is never going to be easy. <laughs> I, I mean, it was sort of, discouraging but also really helpful to hear that the people who are you know accomplished writers and and well published still struggle um so i think that that's that's that that's what i'm hearing you say and i think that that's worth people hearing about yep yep yeah Yeah, and i've heard people say that every book is different too so you might think you you know you that you figured it out and then the next book has a completely different problem that you never so well and so many people i'm fortunate enough to talk to on this podcast also give themselves more challenges they make it harder for themselves <laughs> it's like right. okay i know i could do this so now let's get to add a third point of view or let me add a you know different elements or <laughs> let me add romance or you know they do something just to to keep it fresh for themselves which i think is really important but People, writers who have long careers don't tend to make it easy on themselves. Right. That, and that's a great point, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you see the same formulaic book yeah. over and over again. Like, I'm not sure that brings joy to you as a writer or to your readers. So, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you talked a little bit about community. That is something that I don't think uh, early career writers understand the importance of. Um, from the beginning, you know, I, 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 people join Sisters in Crime after they get their contracts. Like, you should join Sisters in Crime the minute you sort of say to yourself, I think I want to write a mystery because you're building community, you're learning, you're, you know, networking, you're figuring stuff out, you're championing other people so they're there for you. 
Um, so I know why I love community would talk to me about, and I also think the crime writing community is one of the nicest communities, ironically, since we do terrible things to people, (laughs) (laughs) but tell me about the role of community in your life. Yeah. And I totally agree with you on all of those points. Um, and you know, when I was in grad school, I obviously had my community of my classmates who are all wonderful people and I still keep in touch with all of them. But otherwise I, I was actually looking back at it very, very isolated in that I had, you know, I didn't really know any one else doing what I was doing beyond this small cohort of, of fellow students. And it wasn't until I started writing flash fiction that I really started to understand the benefit of this idea of community because I had won a fellowship with Smoke Long Quarterly and I was their writer in residence for a year. And that's kind of how I got introduced to them and and ended up being the editor of the magazine. But during that year, I was suddenly joined all of these online communities that were writing Flash, um, found all these people on social media who were doing it. They were all incredibly awesome and generous and I started to meet editors who were also publishing that Mm -hmm. and suddenly it felt like the world wasn't as huge as I had thought, you know, and like people would help you out and like introduce you to someone. And like, I don't know, just suddenly it was like, Oh, this, this is how it works, you know? And like a small interaction might lead to something else. It was very cool. And, um, and so while I was kind of developing that, um, you know, I was attending, uh, mystery writers of America events with art or sisters in crime stuff. I was going to malice domestic with him, like not as a registered attendee, but I would like show up to the bar. Right. And like <laughs> hang out for a bit. I was like, gosh, everybody here is so nice. You know, when my, when my first collection of stories came out, short stories, um, they were like these weirdo literary etiquette stories. And I remember I went to Malice with Art, I think to like the banquet dinner, just like to attend the banquet dinner. And literally more people in the writing mystery community bought my book <laughs> at Malice than like at like literary conferences. I was like, I love you guys. You're so okay. sweet. You're awesome. Like everybody was just so great. And and so I had actually, I feel like when my debut novel came out, I had already known the community I knew mm-hmm. people in it had made a, a lot of friends um and so it was a lot easier for me to do things like you know ask for uh if I could do a guest blog post somewhere mm-hmm. or blurbs you know mm-hmm. um authors for blurbs like I felt very fortunate that I'd already made some of those connections and when I say connections I don't mean like you know, like the networking that you talk about where it's like fakey network. I mean, like to generally like love these people, like, you know, like they are my friends and they're awesome. Um, and so, yes, I totally agree with you. I think if you are a new writer, one of the best things that you can do is join a community of writers, like sisters in crime or volunteer on a lit magazine or, 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 or be a book reviewer for some like website or something. It's some entry thing that like connects you to other writers and editors. Yep. So helpful. Or volunteer at a conference, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just 
throw yourself in and meet people. And uh, it's, it is, it's the best gift you can give yourself. It really is. And I will say one caveat to that is that go into it, not expecting to get anything back because if you do things for the soul's you know, of like, oh, well, maybe then they'll do me that favor or whatever. Like, I feel like people can see right through that. And yeah. it's gonna be genuine. And luckily, there are so many amazing mystery writers that it's not that hard to find cool people. Right, right. Or even, you know, if you live somewhere where you don't have physical access online, uh, you know, start cheering on things or highlighting posts or, or just being part of the community that way. Uh, so that when you do go to a conference and meet people, they recognize you and they see you and things like that. It's, it's the little tiny things matter. Yes. Um, and, and showing up is, is important. But as you said, showing up with grace, I mean, don't, you know, don't give much more than you're going to get and don't give in the expectations of getting it because that's just not how it works. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Although it is a generous community, for sure. For oh, it sure. is. And people are so willing to help out writers. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's, and, it, it, you know, since the, since the pandemic, I feel like the online community piece of it is easier. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's really nice that the different Sisters in Crime chapters, like, they have online events now. So it's very easy to tune in. To something that like I mean, even my local chapter, I was never able to attend the in-person events because right. you know, just life, it's like hard to find time to do that. But I've been able to I, I feel much more connected to my local chapter now yeah. because I was able to to do those online events. Um I'm I'm currently hosting like a lunchtime power right session with our local chapter. So we tune in on Tuesdays and Thursdays and we chat for 10 minutes and then we shut off our cameras and our mics and we write. And it's been really nice. Like, I feel like I've met new members yeah. and like, I actually understand what they're doing. And it's, it's just really, it's fun because writing is such a solitary act. And so it's nice to have some sense of, of community there. Yeah. Write-ins are amazingly effective and I couldn't tell you why, and I didn't know that they would be uh, when we started hosting them at Sisters in Crime for NaNoWriMo in 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, okay, we'll do them. And now people just love them because there's something about writing with other people yeah. that is magic. I mean, it just, it helps. It, I don't know. It's I don't like know. sharing the misery. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing, right? Right? It really, and I think that 10 minutes of conversation is also helpful because nobody else in your life, well, you, you live with another writer. So in your life, yes, but most people don't have somebody in their life where they could say, I'm stuck or this character showed up or bargain through or this scene isn't working or, you know, I have to throw out the whole book or, you know, and understand what that means. Right. And I think it's also about accountability. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, um, like the people are, are going to be there and I, I need to show up. And so even if my work day is crazy, you know, and I would normally just work right through my lunch hour, it, it helps me to be like, no, I'm going to set this time aside. I'm going to check in with these people. Um, so there's that sense of, of accountability that I think keeps me on track a little bit. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's um, it's great. So you're working on your third book now. Mm-hmm. Now, are you right now at the I'm throwing it all away phase or did you work through that and you're you're starting the next phase? Yeah, I threw it. Well, <laughs> I threw most of it away. Um, and so now I'm starting the rewrite. Yeah. Right now, uh, I, I worked on the dreaded plotting for a little bit just to refocus on you know, what wasn't working about this and, and tried to reset it a bit. Uh, so fingers crossed, I don't know, um, what's going to happen. I have like 3000 words now. I mean, I had 50,000, so. Well, but you, as I, you know, we talked about it, it's your process and you never know what, what's going to happen. Now you're writing suspense. Do you think you're ever going to write in other mis- crime writing genres? I mean, do you think you'll write a traditional mystery at some point and you we talked a little bit about horror or is this where you're this is this your sweet spot where you love to live yeah I don't know I mean I never say never right people sometimes ask me like oh are you gonna write a series I'm like I don't know I mean I have no plans for that I like suspense a lot um it seems to be something that I wouldn't say I'm good at since I've already exposed my process but it's well, Tara. I mean, <laughs> you, you, your first book won multiple awards. Your second book is up for multiple awards. It's like I think you're pretty good at. <laughs> I don't know, not from this, not from this seat, but I appreciate this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, for now, I think that's pretty much where I'm going to stay. Like, I kind of hover between this idea of like suspense, and I, I, I mean, I could see myself doing something maybe a little bit more paranormal, but I don't know. That would be kind of, I think the direction I would go is like more ghostly if I was going to do something, but yeah, you know, for now, this is what I'm doing. So we'll see. Hopefully people will continue to let me do this. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. (laughs) Well, it's a, it's an interesting journey and I thank you for sharing, uh, your insights and your experiences with folks because it's really interesting to hear and I wish you well on book number three. Thank you. I need it. So <laughs> anyone can send coffee, chocolate. I'm totally open to that. Good vibes. Good wishes. Thank you very much, Tara. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.